0: Anna Barron and I are so excited to host today's podcast for the RENAR Voice. Today we have with us Dr. Joy Mwenwa, and Anna and I have both or, well, we're both very excited because we know how much a joy Dr. Joy is. (laughs) And so we are happy to share our joy with you. And Dr. Joy is a core faculty in the master's and the PhD counseling program at Liberty University. And she has seven years of experience in college and community counseling. She's also done numerous international counseling institutes and other service opportunities in Ireland, Malawi, and Kenya, which I know she was just in Kenya recently, so I hope she'll Mm -hmm. share a little bit of that with us. Um, And she also likes um, research in qualitative and indigenous research methodology, so she likes the profession of counseling, multicultural competence, and the supervisor supervisory relationship. So these are lots of things that definitely need research. And so we're super excited about what we're going to hear from Dr. Joy. So welcome and tell us some more about yourself. Thank you,
1: Erica. Such a warm introduction. And both, it's so good to see you too. This day. Um, such an a sweet, kind invitation when I received it. And thank you for working with my schedule. But yes, so I have been with Liberty, like you've mentioned, um, this about, I think, my 10th year. It's actually gone by really fast. But um, prior to even starting to teach here, though, I did my undergrad at Liberty Uh, in psychology, and then my master's program here as well at Liberty. And I often tell all master's students that this is such a great program. They don't pay me to say this, because it prepared me to, one, you know, join this profession, get licensed. And two, it was such a rigorous program that it allowed me to have what I needed to join an excellent PhD program, which I did my uh, PhD program in counselor education at Old Dominion University. So it's an excellent program. So I've been with Liberty for a long, um, a long time. But I'm so delighted to be with the two of you today. Thank you so much again for inviting me.
2: Well, thank you, Dr. Joy. It's just you sitting in your class and just learning from you has been such an amazing experience for both of us that we were, when we we're thinking about who should we interview to learn about the philosophy of teaching and to deal with, you know, the practicum anxiety in the master's students and who should we, both of us was like, Dr. John Mwenda, you know, for sure. So tell us a little bit about um, what made you decide to join this field?
1: That's an excellent question. Thank you, Anna. So. Um, maybe I'll start from a little back some background story to give context to to my response but so I, I was born in Denver Colorado to uh, then international students so my parents who are from Kenya were here in the states. Um, dad was actually going to seminary Denver seminary at the time for his graduate work um, but then at from two, from the age of two up until sixteen, seventeen, I grew up in Kenya. So my formative years were in Kenya. So I grew up speaking three languages. English is my third language, actually. So, uh, Kikamba is my first language, which is my mother tongue, my heart language, and then Kiswahili, um, and then English. So I grew up kind of learning all three. But I think in in that framework of just having um, other such a such a rich space of being surrounded by people who are different than me in terms of um, other languages. Kenya has like forty two other languages, so I grew up with such rich diversity. Um, it was just a neat experience for me to see how service looks like because my parents are mm-hmm. pastors and have been that that amount and Mom have been in ministry for fifty years or so. Um, so I kind of grew up around seeing this uh, how helping looks like. Um, mm-hmm. And really, I think leaning into how one responds to the call, and we'll talk about that word often um, today. And so, mm-hmm. yes, the the profession itself. I I was that kid who many times people would come and talk to me. Um, I found myself maybe by default of being a pastor's kid. You know, mm-hmm. you're the one who's singing in church and serving, but I absolutely loved it. And frankly, I think I guess. I got uh, accepted the Lord as my savior at the age of eight. So a spiritual gift for me is service. So I was mm-hmm. constantly, uh, now as an, as an adult, I can look back and say, God was like placing me in these leadership positions, which I would just really say were servant positions. So again, mm-hmm. that overlap. And so I just, I, I, I grew up desiring and responding to practical needs. Everything from, yes, we're feeding people to, you know, Yes, we're singing and, you know, serving with song with maybe people who are ill or different kinds of things. So just service and helping was something that I grew up singing. So as a much later, so again, I came, we moved to the States or moved back to the States, uh, did my undergrad in psychology, which was fascinating. At first, I thought I wanted to be a nurse. Um, I thought I wanted I remember just kind of hopping around. My parents were very calm and they're like, you know, it will find you. Um, but then also would speak uh, when when it was time to speak. So when I had a, had a very pivotal conversation and I want to highlight this because sometimes it's important to be really asking God, God, who who are you bringing my way for me to listen to? Like, what do you want me to to hear? Right. So I had a very important conversation with my parents uh, about graduate school. I was going to actually go to seminary um, mm-hmm. and I was working at, uh, at the seminary office. Part of why I thought it was just an easy transition for me. And I worked for Dr. Daniel Mitchell. I call him my American dad. He's just a sweet man. He's now in his 80s, serves the Lord, loves the Lord, just a great man. Anyway, but those two conversations with my parents and with Dr. Mitchell, I was explaining and just kind of talking about my heart and what I love and then see me um, live like everyday life mm-hmm. and it came down to maybe I can pursue, you know, my masters of divinity or, um, you know, dad and both my dad, my American dad and my dad, my biological dad taught, said something about counseling. And I thought that's such a natural thing. Like I enjoy doing this. Um, and then there was a the practical piece where, how are you going to feed your family? Like it was just, yes, you're called to this, But then also the practical piece, particularly with my parents, which I love that. That's the international piece in them. Um, And so those two conversations really kind of steered me into saying yes. And so I started the program at Liberty. Um, Again, was just really blessed and privileged, even way back when, when I was doing the program, to have mentors like Dr. Dr. Daniel, by the way, taught me in my master's program before I Went out and pursued my peach, who I love. Um, I worked with her as a as a TA at the time, and so that's kind of how I I arrived here. But over the years, I've I've kind of gone back to even when I started, God would use different things to confirm to me that that's where I was supposed to be. Um, so I remember I'll say this, and maybe Anna, like I don't, you know, you'll definitely interrupt me and ask me what you want to ask me. But yeah, I remember. I- I remember going to Kenya once and uh, which, again, I've done this for many, many years back and forth. But I remember being on a mission trip and um, these pastors um, had had invited us and I was kind of really had prayed up, excited to go and share. And then uh, but I, I noticed culturally they were talking more to the men again, very patriarchal.
0: Um, mm. society
1: framework. Yeah. Um but I'll tell you when they shifted to kind of show me some attention, which again maybe this was my younger self this was my american lens going, "Hello, I am here." <laughs> um I was feeling some kind of way clearly, but anyway, they shifted when they heard I had a masters in counseling. I was, I was pursuing mm-hmm. a masters in counseling and they went, oh, "Wait a minute. So you can help us address, you know, this about the mm-hmm. youth and this about and then it just kind of shifted. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, God, so it's possible that you've placed me here and these letters behind my name actually uh, is, is the door that you might use for people to go, mm-hmm. we need you. And so some of that mm-hmm. it was even a humility posture for me to go, God, please remind me that this is a gift. This is a privilege that you're giving to me. So mm-hmm. I can, it's opening certain doors so I can be seen and be heard and, and share um, and share with others. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's been just part of my journey and I've just, mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful, so grateful. Every time I sit across from, you know, a client uh, or talk to my students about clients, I think, wow, what a what a privilege that we get to be the instrument, right? Quality mm-hmm. something. We' are the instrument. We're the instrument that God gets to use um, to impact other people's lives.
2: Mm. Well, thank you, Dr. Jar, I love that story. I love certain things you said that really struck to me, like the response to the call thing and how God made it clear through you know those your parents conversation, even the pivotal moments that, that so its just a, a beautiful thing. And one thing that you said that I thought it was so, significant is, you know, you knew you're going to go to the helping profession because you were a helper, a servant, and then you link to leadership, mm-hmm. which is something that Eric and I've talked uh, a lot um, in depth, how we love that servant leadership, that's a uh, model of leadership, you know, so th- I th- thought that it was beautiful. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I was I was noting too, just that that servant leadership and and how God's leading led you into that leadership position, so that as God is leading you, you get to lead others. And I also like too how you noted that God placed you and gave you the tools that you needed to be able to open those doors to the opportunities that He wanted you to um, to walk through and to you know to perform that service to those who really needed it so those were some really neat neat parts of your story also that I appreciate and and your willingness and just your um awareness of where God was leading you and your willingness to listen to his voice because you could have said "Nah, I don't want to I want to do something Mm -hmm. else but you didn't you were sensitive to what God was um what God had for you and it seems like it's been a wonderful fit and God's blessed you in it
1: let me just really comment on something you just said right now. I think both of you are saying something uh, about the leadership piece and the listening piece to this. Um, I think as far as being a leader, which many oftentimes I'll say this, particularly to master students, you know, if you're called to pursue this counseling degree, for many of us, I think that also implies it's a leadership position that you're taking on. And it's Mm -hmm. important to wrestle with that. And I know maybe that can be very obvious. But again, if we're saying yes to being a leader, then it's saying yes to what does this look like for me in terms Mm -hmm. of the community I've been called to serve. Right, so uh, often my dad, uh, I get my parents. I've been in ministry for 50 years or so, but my dad, when, as he's teaching pastors and mentoring, et cetera, he he challenges them about holding the Bible one on one hand and the newspaper on the other hand. Right, <laughs> it's this bit of. what is happening uh, exactly being relevant because for us you know i'm i live in northern virginia right now what's happening around me i need to know what's going on uh it might be different than what's happening in new york city or north dakota or for me like we were just saying i was in kenya for seven weeks this past summer but trying to figure out okay god ask him god you made me what how do you want me to use this gift that you're giving me to impact those around me what does this look Mm -hmm. like because it's going to look different, um, you know, for all of us. So that listening ear continues even after, you know, yes, he brings you to it to prepare, but certainly as you're doing the actual practice of it.
0: Mm. That Uh. that makes me think it's a perfect lead-in to internship and practicum, because we need to be sensitive to what God is saying to us in using the skills that we've learned in that setting. So maybe maybe see how you would apply that to students going in saying you know what you've got this god's leading you right i Tell was gonna say what, oh. back to
2: that erica i was gonna say how that's the perfect segue because that's how you teach you allow you i think maybe perhaps see if i'm correct me you you see us as leaders that need developing and that's why you give us the autonomy to, as a, so, tell us a little bit about the philosophy of teaching that you have that is very distinct.
1: Yeah, th- thank you for bringing that, uh, uh, that in right now. Uh, yes, I very much believe that. I, I think Vela talks about this in, I guess it's a mod, one of the teaching models here, but I am a learner among learners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You all are bringing yourselves with your unique stories into our class and there's this coll- this beautiful collision that happens, for lack of a better word. And for me, I think for us as counselor educators, particularly if this is our role, the sensitivity to be aware of, okay, who are the people that God has allowed me to learn from? Because as I hear these stories, then he might give me something to share with them that's connected directly to these stories. So I try very much to have this, um, safe egalitarian environment that Mm -hmm. can foster this respect and collaboration because again you're the one who's going to be working in your community so for Mm -hmm. example uh we had i had uh, a mentee who also was an advisee and a student in the master's uh class residential when i taught residentially she was from atlanta she was this sweet african-american brilliant student Um, and I remember as we were kind she would come in for some advising sessions and as we would talk I remember sharing with her um, that the work that she was called to do only she could do it in that exact way because she understood her setting her environment like if me being me I wouldn't get the same right I wouldn't be as effective as she was and so mm-hmm. for for I wonder what that looks like for us to continue to give space to people, then to to understand more who they are, their stories. And again, I think it's just this. Sometimes you never know when something is gonna connect with a student, and so yeah. just allowing for the safe space. Uh, and for me to take this responsibility um, with the, I guess, the utmost weight that, you know, I when, when God has called me to it, I'm like, wait, these are the people I'm called to. So let me provide this space for them so that they can understand who they are so they can best better serve their communities uh, where they've been called to.
0: Yeah, that's that that parallel process where if I create a safe space for my students, I'm modeling how they can create a safe place for their students. And if I'm aware of my skills and my identity, I can help them be aware of their identity and their skills that God is going to use in different places that I could never reach. That's Absolutely. really lovely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, real quickly, one of the things that I want to, you know, encourage the master's students who might be listening, our program, I think we do this really well, but our program through different classes has these reflective assignments that are part Mm -hmm. of the learning process. Mm -hmm. Please don't just check off a box and complete it. Put yourself into that. Like, actually, Mm -hmm. constantly you're talking to your maker, God, okay, what about this specific assignment? is connected to my story and the people you've called me to serve. Like, mm-hmm. take, really take advantage of those reflective moments that are inbuilt throughout the program, for sure.
2: Like, honestly.
1: Absolutely.
2: Right. Yes. Yeah. That's an opportunity for growth. Yes. So, how, when you, I love that learner amongst learner and respect, collaboration, you, you know, the environment of egalitarian. Um, environment that you create, when you sense that anxiety, because we've been listening a lot of the master's students, and they, and they, you know, the, of course, it, there is a level of anxiety that's normal to, you know, I'm here, I am starting to, going to uh, my practicum and internship. How do you deal with that? How do you encourage, how do you channel that anxiety to, uh, in a way that serves the student?
1: Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, Thank you both for asking that. So, and you just, I think I would start where you just kind of started. This is normal. That's actually a good thing that there's a little bit of anxiety because if you walked into this just going, I got this, then I would go, well, (laughs) wait a minute. (laughs) Um, It's an opportunity though for you to learn actually to, to mm-hmm. put into practice everything that you've learned. And I'll say many times, because I'll hear like, I don't know if I know what I'm going to do when I remember this. That actually fits developmentally with the state you're in. So that is absolutely normal. So breathe. Yes, you're exactly where you need to be. Um, and then also, too, I think on a practical level, I would say as you're coming towards finding, you know, starting their clinical experience, Find a good supervisor, Mm. interview the supervisor, right? Um, Maybe somebody who's going to challenge you, somebody who's going to, you know, um, ask those questions that may be harder to ask, but that you know that you need, you know. So, for example, with my own supervisees, I put it on them to come with the agenda for the day. If you're showing up for supervision, you have an agenda, So what we'll we'll usually pray or however we're opening, and then I'll ask them, so what's the agenda today? They need to come prepared with, what are we watching? Why have they identified that? What cases? This is you learning how to be a professional. So many times, again, go back to find a good supervisor. And also, I think part of it is knowing yourself. So for me, I'm very strength-based. Uh, but then I'll often just t- tell my supervisees, you need to challenge me if there's something that you're not getting. But sometimes, you know, I'll hear, but I don't know what I'm asking for. Hence the interview as much as possible. And then have this open conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask for more if you need it. Don't Don't sit, particularly if you're paying for this. I mean, at any point, but especially because you're paying for it, ask for it. Um, and then I'll also say, uh, as you're going into this process, be open, not to dismiss a specific population or a specific um, area of work. Because sometimes, you know, I remember I had a a supervisee once who said, "Oh my goodness, how would I don't I never want to work with with kids." And mm. and I said, "Well, you, you never know. Have you worked with children before this exact setting? No. Okay." she loves it to this day that's what she still does so be open because again you've never done this before so Mm -hmm. be open to the process speaking of being open be open to feedback so think Mm -hmm. about it there should be a difference between you know a client who pays you after graduation versus a client who'd want to pay you when you started your very first class in the master's program so this is an entire learning process. There's a reason people are going to come to pay you, so be open to feedback. That's the only way you're going to learn all the things that you're going to really learn um, mm-hmm. I keep have all these little please interrupt me as as you feel fit uh, <laughs> but I, I I love this topic because there, I think there there are times when, yes, the anxiety is, there's there's a normal piece to that, and then there's a practical piece to. Like, what else do I need to be doing? I would also say a very, a small piece, but very important one. Mm. Review syllabus expectations. This should be throughout the entire program, but review syllabus expectations and the agency expectations. So, you know how, like, in Mm. our master's program, we have our handbook, which you should read beforehand, right? You read and prepare. There's that bit. So, there are those expectations, It's a completely different skill set at this point that those expectations and then the expectations of the actual agency we're working at. So ask those questions. How do you all write notes? Hopefully, you know, that agency has a mentoring program where you're being taught, there's an orientation where some of that information is learned. In other words, you're not just gonna be dropped out there. And if you see that happening, ask ask for it. May I please find out how we write notes, right? Arm yourself Mm -hmm. uh, with with that information um, for sure. Uh, One last thing about uh, that's just expectations. If you happen to be taking the practicum internship class alongside other life responsibilities, which is many of us, Mm -hmm. then plan accordingly. Mm -hmm. Right? I remember for me i mean this was my internship and in my at my phd program but at that time i was pregnant i was working on a dissertation i was finishing internship i had so much and i remember thinking okay i have to ask for help Mm -hmm. because, I mean, this is not just a class. This is not just I can sit up until 11.59 submitting a discussion board. No, this is I have to be in front of clients. I have to show up to supervision. I mean, there's so many added pieces that go into this. So it Mm -hmm. had to shift my schedule, which meant there were more pizza dinners and uh, (laughs) other dinners that mommy didn't cook. I asked Mm -hmm. my mom for extra help with cooking. And yeah, I mean, but think about where you are recognizing that it's a season but plan accordingly for it Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so in other words don't set yourself up to fail because i didn't reach out for resources as i need to last thing i'm gonna say on this um maybe one of the last things um so here's the thing anna erica i wish this is just a wish i wish our program required that our master students got counseling i -hmm. wish it didn't um I say that to all my supervisees. And usually when I'm saying that, I am not, obviously, you know, we can't force people to do anything, but I highly encourage master students to get their own counseling, even if they don't feel like they have anything to work on per se, because there's mm-hmm. something incredibly unique about you experiencing what yes. your client will experience. You almost yes. have to, to like sit in it and go, oh, oh, that 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 feels like that or Mm -hmm. um, oh I have to pay for this or um, Mm -hmm. just the vulnerability that goes to that Mm -hmm. and so I mean it's something that I know it's not a requirement but I would say if you can even just for a few sessions it's something Mm -hmm. that you get to have different empathy for your clients, mm. because mm-hmm. you're seeing what it takes for them to really kind of dig deep and share the this vulnerable piece of who they are, right? right. So
0: if you can, if mm. you can, I would, I would recommend many of them um, to get that. Yeah, definitely. It definitely um, provides an awareness that they may not have and a perspective that they may not have if they haven't been in counseling before. So I I definitely value the years of counseling I had in the past and and just the insights into kind of the process. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I started going to counseling, doing my master's for that reason, and um, and I still see once a month my therapist, and I just love it because. You know, she ends the session exactly because she knows how bad I am with my time management still with my clients. You know, so even those tiny little things and I see how she's like, well, okay. And I was like, so I see myself with my clients. okay.
1: you know, a parallel process.
2: Exactly. Those little and then it's a beautiful thing to to really embody what my client, what our clients go through in a way. Mm -hmm. I love it. And, and we all have issues, right? As Dr. Sausson says, if we have a belly button, you have. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. And I love that one thing you said, Dr. Joy, that you know, come up with uh, um, the peer mentor, the mentoring, see if the agency have. And I that was really reinforcing for me because I'm the clinical director at a site here in Massachusetts. And I just instituted that. You just got the new intern cohort come in. And the and the ones who are already on their internship instead of practicum, they are now, we pair them to mentor the new because they need those indirect hours. So mm-hmm. to mentor the practicum ones and that so hearing you say that I was like, oh, that's wonderful. I would like really quick when you say find a good supervisor and ask questions, what questions do you think would be the ones that are the important ones for them to ask?
1: That's a that's a good question. A valuable <laughs> questions to ask. I love it. Um, I think some questions that would be important to ask would be even just basic ones. You know, tell me about your experience in supervising other master students. Uh, tell me about your style of giving feedback. What mm-hmm. would you What would you require of me when I come to supervision? Like, what What does a prepared supervisee look like for you? basically, it's what you're asking. right um, What are your thoughts about uh, the fact that i I am I am scared. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, wh- what do you think about that? It's almost like you're having you're t- you're having a feel. So I mean, if they go, you need to have it together. I mean, obviously, no no supervisor will do that. Hopefully, then. But again, you're 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 in other words, you're being vulnerable enough to to see how they would respond to that. Um, and then too, asking, you know, would you be open to my bringing? Uh, or my asking you to challenge me about diagnosis. Cause I mean, hopefully all I think all it's a requirement that all sites are talking about diagnosis. But sometimes you might have supervisors who maybe have been doing this a very long time and maybe aren't as um cognizant of All the, you know, so for example, we're in academia academia, and so we talk about KCREP standards and what's happening with uh, the the code of ethics, etc. But the Mm -hmm. things that you've been learning, is your supervisor open to you bringing in that information that you're learning in class and infusing that? Okay. So in other words, you're not giving them extra work. You're just saying, are you open to me bringing in some of the information that I'm learning to really see how this contextualizes with what I'm actually doing here? Um, mm-hmm. I think those are some, maybe y'all have can think of some, but those are the kind of some that just kind of came to mind right
0: now. Yeah, definitely some other great nuggets. I was just As you were talking, I think the other thing I've heard when I did my supervision internship was that some students ended up with supervisors that just weren't available. And Mm -hmm. so making sure that they do have that availability, you know, are we going to have time to meet once a week? If there's something that comes up, are you going to be available to me maybe outside of our regularly scheduled hours? And I think that that is definitely a key that I've heard in the past where it's been an issue for other students. And so kind of like finding out what their um, willingness to commit to you as a learner is really important. So definitely, um, I, I love, you, you're you kind of even connecting to the, the need to be open as, you know, open to new experiences as students to maybe take a different population or open to feedback and then you kind of wove that into those questions for your supervisor letting them you know see your openness to who you are trying new things and then bringing those new things into the practicum and internship and if the if the supervisor will be supportive of that so I think that's definitely very important and um you know wanting to get the most out of your practicum and internship experience and really you know being able to pick the brain of your supervisor. Mm-hmm. I've been so blessed with wonderful supervisors. So I've I've really been able to learn so much from them. And I've heard other stories where people have gone into supervision and like they've had to change their supervisors or they just weren't getting any time with them. And, and it, it can be very frustrating. So those are great questions to ask Dr. Joy. Thank you so much. Anna. was there anything else that you were thinking of maybe adding to that list? Let me add real quick. Sorry, oh, Anna, sorry. to interrupt you.
1: You just said that. I know, Erica, you said that. I went, oh, I ha- I just remembered something when you're speaking about supervisors. There was one experience that was not the best when I first started out. And so this is coming from that. You just said that. And I went, Ah, oh, <laughs> I remember that. Um, <laughs> And this kind of goes back to, I guess, my teaching philosophy. Um, It was important for me, and it has been over the years, Um for my supervisees and my mentors to acknowledge um whether they don't agree, but maybe just acknowledge that I have a different perspective. Mm. I know Mm -hmm. it's so obvious, but one of my um, not best experiences was kind of bringing up something that for me, from my own culture, just seemed like a natural thing to bring up. Uh, But I remember it almost being shunned. And uh, it was about, for example, not to get into the specifics too much, but it was about being a mediator. And I remember just at that time being told like, this is being enmeshed you're you're too into your Mm -hmm. like it it was almost seen like a negative versus now of course being here um I the the lens would have really been it was because I was from a collectivistic society so I say Mm -hmm. that to bring back to you know the the question at hand is you know ask me how how I am doing And then also ask me and challenge me as to how my personal story intertwines Mm. with what I'm doing, right? Mm, Bringing your identity in. Exactly. This is me. This is how I'm showing up. And then the last thing I just thought was, ask me about my self-care routine.
0: Mm. Um, You know, here
1: we are. Mm -hmm. We we talk to our clients about this all the time, but sometimes you need a supervisor to almost go, tell me about what you're doing for self-care this week, you know, or something. Sorry, I interrupted you, Anna. But thank you, Erica, for, for reminding well,
0: it, it, me. <laughs> here to pick your brain. Yes, we'll take all the nuggets.
2: <laughs> and I love, I love the self care, and I, and I love how you now introduce the whole multicultural competencies that we need to. Mm-hmm. So this supervisor needs to be curious about you as well, like we are for our clients, and investigate and explore and reflect, as opposed to just no. That was a enmeshment, there was a judgment in your supervisor's part, but anyway, mm-hmm. I would add, Erica, to answer to your question, I would add, how? what are my rights? It's very hard for mm-hmm. a, a supervisee mm-hmm. to come, because sometimes, as we learned in our supervision class, you know, supervisees have rights within the agency, and yes, I yeah. know I didn't ask that, and and how will I be remediated? What's your... You know hopefully that's not the case but that's important and i think that's what gives the anxiety is the unknownness of oh if i'm not meeting certain objectives what how will i you know i think that, that those are also important questions uh what is the agencies like dr mwenda said uh, the agency's expectations and and how would that be upheld and i think those are also good questions to ask good yeah the whole gatekeeping thing. I don't know if yes. do you guys want to get which is a how do you do gatekeeping, Dr. Mwendwa? That's a hard, I know for me one. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think um maybe I would even go back before getting even getting close to starting practicum and internship. Uh utilize again these reflective assignments that are mm-hmm. built into the program mm-hmm. right or advising sessions for some of us taking 500 501 these earlier classes maybe you're you're finding as you're taking these classes that you're the one who needs counseling maybe you're not the one who needs to be the counselor maybe that's what it is <laughs> right no seriously Yes. Um. And I've yes. said, I mean, I remember teaching the, the group intensive class on campus, and I would often say 505 and 512, I said, for some of us, maybe this is bringing to the forefront that for some of us, maybe we just needed to be the ones to be on the client seat. And maybe, and God is, wants that to happen, we can get our healing and move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So really investigate. Is God, is this what you want me to do? And how Mm. does this really look like? So even some of that is internal work that happens with you as a student, even prior to the other piece. But on the other end, I think for us as supervisors, Mm -hmm. there is a responsibility that comes with uh, other people will get harmed if the work that is supposed to happen doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so just having the courage to call that out. Right. Right. Yes. Um, and this is going back to that feedback uh, portion. Um, I think it we shouldn't we hopefully we all remember as master students. I think all of us know this, but every single one of your classes, not just practicum and internship, every single one of our classes has a dispositional um quiz or <laughs> review that all faculty do. There's a reason for that. That's part of gatekeeping for us. And if mm-hmm. there is a mark that's on there or a faculty calls you in for something, be open. Again, maybe it's I'm um, if I'm the common denominator and I keep having these things that are going on, again, maybe I'm the one who needs to look and assess that. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's my own counseling or what have you. But I think just being open to that process and for us having the courage to call things out when we need to. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So you're kind of evaluating each student's toolbox or our own toolbox and say, what am I missing that I need to add to that toolbox? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And what I love about the remediation part is is uh, remediating doesn't mean you are not fit for the no, is is an opportunity to grow and learn and become better. Mm-hmm. You know, the refining. You know, you, if you have issues that's going to be between you and the work you should do with your clients, address it courageously. Oh, wow. You know, especially with us with faith, I think that becomes a little easier to, okay, God, just come and do the work. Mold me, shape me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, yeah, that self-awareness all the time to, for God to just, mm-hmm. it, humility.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, that's. I think you think you bring up a really good point, Anna. Like, um, it's not always a negative, and it's not. A, thank you for highlighting that, because I'm not implying that people should, you know, leave. No, I'm just saying for 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 some of us, really, it's there's work that's needed. Hence the my earlier comment. I wish we required counseling, wow. uh, because then you get to really understand who you are. You know, I am, unlike other professions. You know, my sister's a data analyst. She runs reports and works with IT and does it. We are the instruments. Like, yes. it matters. The person of the counselor matters. And so, yes. like, this internal work, when nobody else is looking, like, when there's no other people assessing, it actually matters. And so, what an opportunity to learn and be challenged. You know, my, my earlier comment about, you know, this one experience with a, with a supervisor actually allowed for me to go back to my own story and go, who am I? Because actually mm-hmm. up until that point, I was just kind of was wading through and I went. So on honestly, on one level, what they saw on paper made sense. But I also needed to to step in and and challenge myself in, in that space as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I think well, I think I heard two things. One is again that identity piece, knowing who you are. And then the other piece is as you kind of started the whole our whole podcast here is talking about listening to God and your relationship with God needs to be close and personal and saying, okay, Lord, where do I need to grow? What work do you have for me? And, you know, the the gatekeeping piece, if if God's like not in this with you, your your success is going to be very limited. And I've definitely seen that in my experience. Like, I can't help my clients. God will help my clients. And if I'm allowing him to work through me, being sensitive to what he's telling me, using all the all the skills and, and education that I've had through Liberty, through, you know, reading a ton of books and listening to podcasts, you know, God uses all of those things to bring to mind just what that client needs. And if I'm not in step with God, if I'm not, if my personal relationship with God isn't strong, I can't be the counselor that he's calling me to be. And that's what I heard from you, Dr. Joy, earlier, is Mm -hmm. just that sensitivity to God's leading. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Answering the call. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, well said, Erica. So with that, since we're getting to a close uh, of our time together, Dr. Joy, what would you like the listeners to like the pearls of wisdom that you should take away from this time together? If they think of Dr. Joy and they see your name, and what would they want you to think about a legacy, what, the, what what would be the takeaway?
1: Uh, first of all, again, thank you so much for for having me on. Um, you're both just joy. You're light. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say this one verse, Romans eleven twenty nine. So think about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We just mm. reverse the numbers, okay? Romans eleven twenty nine, the gifts and the calling mm-hmm. of the Lord are irrevocable, mm. as in this calling is bigger than you. Um, Anna, you were just saying. I mean, was Eric? I think you were just saying like these are. These clients are gods. They are first his clients. (laughs) They're not even your clients first. They're his. Like he's the one who's more invested in them than you. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. invested in your journey. And so because his calling and his gifts are irrevocable, the way you are to show up is just as you. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are eight plus billion people on the face of the planet and there's not a one of them who is exactly like you. So thank you for understanding that God wants you with your uniqueness, your story, your past, your stuff, your, you know, we're all getting refined. But thank you for recognizing you're the one who's been called and nothing can change that. So mm-hmm. he, we're, we're to be about his business because he's the one who's given us, you know, this this gift. So it's irrevocable. So you go in the, in the name of the Lord and his power uh, and to, yes, to shine his light, but just to be, just to be, you know, to, 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 to be Christ, to be his hands, his feet, uh, mm-hmm. where he's called us to be. So at Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. Beautiful. Amen.
2: That's exciting. And what a beautiful way to even uh, that lowers the anxiety. Just be you.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay.
2: You cannot be anybody else. And God made you with specific gifts and mm-hmm. personalities. And, and, and he is a purposeful God and He's uniting that client and whomever else, not just a client, all your interpersonal relationships with you at that moment for that connection, because he has a plan.
0: He does. He does have a plan for sure. Beautiful. So that is a super way to end remembering God's calling for each of us. So again, thank you, Dr. Joy. And I hope our listeners will find um, their calling and their leading from God. Mm -hmm. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you.